Definitely. But he's, he's got to be the guiding <clears throat> right. position. We're, we're just doing, should be, right. doing what, what we've been told. Very good. Uh, Serving each other. Serving each other? sacrifice is really really powerful right because a sacrifice is something that you give away and it's gone forever it's burned up or it's poured out or something like that but for you to present yourself as a living sacrifice is something you give away but you still have it so you can continue giving over and over again when you give a sacrifice that's gone forever but not, not this. It's a living sacrifice that you continue to give and give and give. Very good. That, the day, it's a daily occurrence. It's our continual lives, day after day. And that's what he is, Paul is saying, this is, this is your worship. You know, we, we do. We come together, we worship together, but this our day-to-day -day presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. And that's possible by the continual transformation of our, of our minds and the renewing of our minds, as he put it there, which is, which is in contrast to, as he puts it, the pattern of the world. So there's just a complete opposite of that. Any other thoughts on this one? If you go to the second part of verse 2, I think he sums up. You may be going to deal with that. I don't no, know. go ahead. I'm not. Uh, our lives prove what God's purpose is for us. We begin to understand that. We get, begin to practice it, live it, and it, it's, a, it's a testimony as to what God's purpose is for us. And I think that relates to what you pointed out in Genesis 1. When I understand my relationship to his creation, what his purpose was for it, then I live accordingly. I don't go out here and kill animals, for example, just for the sport of it. That's, that's not his purpose for me. That wasn't his purpose for the animals or anything in creation. So I prove by the life I live what his purpose is for me. deal with this um, in first Corinthians again the ref the, the context here is talking about fleeing sexual immorality and Paul says do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God you are you are not your own you are bought at a price therefore honor God with your bodies so again he is making this this contrast between 
using our bodies for, again here, sexual immorality versus honoring God with your bodies. Similar to what he was talking about in, in, in Romans, what we just looked at. This, this idea of, you know, your, your body is a living sacrifice. And what you are doing with those bodies is a living sacrifice in honor to God. And he also gives this idea of being bought at a price. That it was the price of, of his son, of Jesus, that is what we were, we were purchased with. So therefore, to honor that, you know, we need to be honoring that with, with our bodies. And then the last one I'm going to look at was in, it's from Philippians. And Paul here says, I eagerly, eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So, again, a very famous quote from, from Paul here. And what he is getting across is that when, as long as he is in his, his fleshly body, he wants to exalt Christ. He realizes that outside of his body, once he reaches his fulfillment, his, you know, being united with Christ, that would be more for his gain. But as long as he is, was here on earth, and I believe the same message is for us too, as long as we are here on earth, we are attempting to live out our lives to exalt Christ in, in what we what we do and say. Any thoughts on these? What do we mean to exalt him? I think we all have maybe different. What is, what is your thought? Well, again, I think we're back to his nature, <laughs> his purpose as the creator. What purpose did he have? What purpose did he have for each and everything he created? So, in my body, I exalt that purpose. Mm -hmm. That seems to me, yeah. as a bush out here that has beautiful flowers on it, it exalts God because it serves its purpose. Right. So each and everything in creation exalts God when it serves the purpose for which it was created. Sometimes we have the false impression, or and sometimes maybe even the world has the false impression of Christianity that the way that we glorify God is by the denial of those fleshly things, the immorality. But it's not just that. It is that. But there has to be more. I'm not glorifying God just by saying no to all the things that I shouldn't do. I'm glorifying Him when I'm doing the things I should do. And I think sometimes we can just settle for kind of a cheaper version of it and just say, well, I'm not doing all these things. It's, it's not, glorifying God is not a neutral state. 
other thoughts? I was kind of like what she said. Um, I think it's day to day having integrity, whether it's doing what you should do, um, <coughs> doing right by others, um, or doing not doing the things we shouldn't do. Just maintaining your integrity um, as a focus is important as well. What other, any other comments on this? So again, you know, the speaking of the body, our bodies, there is going along with kind of what Jamie's saying, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential to do good and there's a lot of potential to do bad. Um, and obviously when we we see you know the language Paul uses and you know what we've looked at this morning, and there's other ones too, throughout his writings is this idea of of, of using what we've been given to exalt God while we're here on earth, to make ourselves as a living, living sacrifice, make ourselves holy and honoring to God. And again, you're looking at our class, it's this battle of, of the, the flesh and, and the spirit. And you know, no matter what we do accomplish, and it's very important what we're accomplishing with our bodies here on earth, as, as, we, as we've stated before in the class and we continue to state, is, is what we see in Scripture is this idea of a spiritual connection with, with Christ and with God that, and as we're going to see in some passages here, that is what is hopefully... Developing us, cultivating us, and leading us into our eternal destination, our eternal life with God and with, with, with Jesus. Um, and I wanted to look at, uh, if you turn over to, to John 6, this is a, it's a lengthy passage. I'm probably going to try to summarize it. So uh, we, it might take us a while to read this, but again... This is where Jesus has fed 5,000. And if you remember that he's telling the people after this occurrence that he is, is the true bread. And what do you remember? This, what, what caused this among a lot of his disciples? This statement. And his statement of if you... You need to eat of my, of my flesh, of, of drink of my blood. Is this something that was easily understood? That's confusing. It was very, yeah, it was confusing. As you read later in the chapter, a lot, a lot of his disciples started following him after this, this interaction. Um, in looking. Uh, let's pick up in verse 57. It says, Just as the living Father sent me, and, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And if you remember, going back into chapter 4, his interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well... And what, what type of water did he say he was going to provide for her? Living water. Living water. 
And then here he's talking about, I will give, you know, this, this bread, me, whoever feeds on me will live, will live forever. He had the, you know, the discussion we looked at multiple times with Nicodemus, going back in chapter 3. So you see this, this pattern that, that Jesus and that John is illustrating so far throughout his gospel. Um, this idea of spiritual, that his spiritual connection that, that Jesus is desiring. So then moving down um, to verse 60, it says, On hearing this, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are, there are some of you who, who do not believe. So again, you know, some translations would say the flesh is no help at all instead of counts for nothing. There's different translations of that. But you get the idea of what is, what is Jesus getting across trying to get across to his disciples that is of the most importance. The same thing he tried to get across to Nicodemus. And this is an analogy to the spirit. Mm -hmm. And unless you get that, you kind of miss the whole point. Right, right. This is, this is it. And again, he's the Nicodemus, somewhat to the Samaritan woman at the well, and here he's trying to get across this, just across this point that this, this is it. This is what basically, you know, I, I have come and this is a spirit that is giving life. Through me, my words, this is what is, is giving eternal life. And again, that, that's, that's it's hard for them to accept, and sometimes it's hard for us to accept. It's hard for mankind to wrap our minds around this. But he's saying, your focus here is on, on the physical, which, that's what we need to exist, right? He's using water, he's using bread, and that's, you know, we don't exist without those things, without food and water. But he's saying this is so much more important that... The spiritual connection that he has come, you know, from heaven to, to dwell among men and to bring that connection and that bridge to God. And that's, you know, how, how do we continue to develop that and, and cultivate that? So that's how we consume Jesus by, by doing that, by focusing on his teaching and, and who he is. And that's how we consume I believe that's, yeah, that's what he is saying right there. Is you consume, as he was saying, telling his audience there, that's how you consume me, through my teaching, through my words. And that's what leads you into eternal life. Randy? Yes? There's a tendency in reductionist kind of thinking to, to say, okay, so this reduces to reading the Bible. Well, certainly reading the Bible is an important part of that. 
part, important part of knowing his words, but it's more than that. It's, it's the meditation on it, and it's the, the living within it, right? So it's, it's more that you, if you reduce it to reading, you're really cutting out quite a lot of what he's saying here, I think. Um, if you just read this from a strictly fleshly point of view, it would drive you away. It's, it's a pretty, I mean, pretty awful thing that he's saying if it's looked at just from through, through the fleshly eyes. If you don't see it from a spiritual viewpoint, it'll drive you away too. So you, you gotta be thinking about what Jesus is trying to do here. He's, and he's even making a separation. Some people will leave him after he says this. He's separating people on the basis of whether they can receive spiritual thoughts or not. to him talking about the living water. Um, one of the things he says there is those who drink of it will never thirst again. And I think for some of us, it's, and for me as well, it's, it's, it's hard to conceive that Jesus is all I need. And I think that might be part of what he's getting at with this living bread. As your fathers ate of the manna before, but they were hungry. You know, they, they did their sacrifices. They were able to, in a sense, clear their spirit. But then they hungered again. They, they needed it over and over. Whereas Jesus is all we need. He only had to die once and... He continually cleanses us. And I think for some of us, that's it's hard to wrap our minds around and it's hard to accept. Because we all know what it's like to be hungry. We all know what it's like to be thirsty. But who here has, has gotten that feeling of being full, but then was never hungry again? We, we always know that that hunger is going to follow up the fullness. So I think, I think part of what he's getting at is it's going to be a shift. It's going to be hard for you to conceive that I am all you need, but I am, and I think that's part of part of the blessing is that we can spend a lifetime exploring what that means and still not really be closer to uncovering. We, we, there will always be more to that mystery that we can uncover. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of what Jared said. Talking about this morning, we know, but do we really know? Right. It's a continual. Digging into that, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Did you, somebody else have a, yeah. Uh, one thing that I keep thinking about with all of this, with all these verses, is just it's about a perspective and like of how are you looking at everything. So this permeates; it should permeate everything physical, because that's not what it's all about. Like we, if you know, we as believers. Um, can look through a lens, a spiritual lens, at everything fleshly, none of the fleshly really matters. It counts for nothing. Like, it, you know, and so I think making that shift from um, thinking about, and we do, like you said, we live in a fleshly world and a fleshly body. Like, we have to, but if we can just look at all of those things and have that connection to our spirit, then those fleshly things, the perspective will just be completely shifted. Still, still a, a struggle, but it's our, <clears throat> it's our leading mindset. 
it, it does, it, it changes our perspective. Somebody else? With the misunderstanding that they had about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, why do you think he asked the question in 62 that he does? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Why do you think he's asking that question? I don't know, I guess I'm wondering if he is trying to get them, again, he's trying to get them to think spiritually. So if he's going to ascend, which I don't think they would have any concept of that right now, that he's foreshadowing his ascension, you know, in, back into the spiritual realm, is maybe some way he's trying to, again, get them, get their minds wrapped around that. I don't know, anybody else have any other thoughts? Kyle? Yeah, I think what they're essentially attacking is their offense is the stopping point where they're not going to be able to see beyond what he wants them to see as long as they're offended or thinking in these fleshly terms. And Jesus says, does this offend you? And he's not saying that to be like, well, let me put it in a different way so it doesn't offend you. He's saying, you know, there's going to be a time where I'm going to be coming in glory and then the time where I'm coming in judgment. It's time for you to get over the offense and be able to see it for what it really is. And that's how you come to um, see what I'm saying right here in a spiritual sense. That's how you become um, part of the spirit and, um, you know, have me in you. It's not by being offended. Uh, you can be offended, but you have to move past that and learn. Because if you're going to stop anytime you're offended by the gospel or the things Jesus has to say, then you aren't going to be ready for, you know, when he comes again. Well, I believe the, the point, you, you hinted at this in your answer. They are, they are just really caught up in eating his body and drinking his blood. Yeah. Physical <coughs> approach and thoughts. He said, okay, what if I would send back to, the hev to heaven where I came from? In other words, how are you going to eat my body and flesh like you're thinking? Mm -hmm. That's not my point. Right. The flesh is nothing, as he goes ahead in the next verse to say. Exactly. The words that I've spoken to you are important. <clears throat> They're full of the Spirit. Right. That's what leads to <clears throat> eternal life. So don't, don't think in the yeah. fleshly, yeah. physical realm like you are. Think spiritual. His whole point to get them 180 turned into a an us to into a spiritual mindset. To kind of add on to that, uh, there's been people in my life that have sort of pointed my mind towards this idea that who who is it that we are when we exalt God? Who who is it that sees that? And yes, it is people, but it, it seems as though part of our purpose is to exalt God before certain spiritual people. It makes me think of Job, where God is, is pointing out Job to the accuser. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we can look around, you know, I, I look at the people that I'm with and I'm trying to have an influence on, you know, and, and, and it doesn't seem to be working 
And sometimes they will come around, you know, not to diminish what God will do to people, but I think even, I think sometimes it's beyond that. I need to not necessarily look at the people, the fleshly people, who, you know, if I'm following God, I'm also exalting him to the people in the spiritual realm, however that looks. And we can't know what that is like fully until we're there, but I think it's important not to diminish that. And if, you, if, if I keep that in mind, it's less discouraging to me when these people who are stuck in their fleshly way of thinking reject God through me. Very good. Definitely part of the, I think, part of the spiritual warfare that we cannot see, and, but I definitely think we are, are a part of that. Definitely so. Let's finish here in the last few minutes. I want to finish with what what Paul wrote to Timothy here in 1 Timothy 4. Part of his instructions to him, say here in verse, verses 7 and 8, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So again, I think it's a good synopsis of what we talked about this morning. What, what Paul, again, is trying to get across to Timothy is, yes, keep taking care of your physical body, training it, you know, what you eat and what you drink is, is important. But it's only of some value. So what has value for all things? What has, you know, the supreme value... As he's talking, he, he puts it here as godliness, again, our, our spiritualness, is, is the ultimate value. And what, what does he say that will do to our lives? What, what is the promise that we have? Eternal life. Eternal life. And it also will help us here in the present, more importantly, into eternal life too. So, you know, what, what a powerful message to him, uh, to us, to, to man, mankind of all time, that, you know, this idea of, of, of training ourselves spiritually uh, into godly behaviors, into godliness, as he says here. It's, even though our, our, we need to take care of our physical bodies, it has a, a temporary value but our eternal value is is our spiritual training and putting on godliness any other thoughts we just have a few uh, seconds left but. i think it's a lot easier <clears throat> under the new testament than it was under the old testament because if you did something that god didn't want you to do it killed you right then under the new testament he's saying as long as you worship my son you're going to have a home with me in heaven. So there's a major difference. <laughs> yes. Thank you all very much. <laughs>